you don't know me, um, my name is Mike Seifert. I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff. Um, I'm also uh, the technical director here, so um, all these systems that make this whole place function, I know a good bit about those. Um, I also lead the, uh, the marriage ministry that we have here at K2. Um, I am married, and my wife Amy sitting over here. We've been married for 11 years, 11 short, wonderful years. Um, we have three beautiful children, Elizabeth, who's six, uh, we have Abigail, who's five, and we have Emma, who is not yet born. She's on her way. She'll be born uh, in August, so we are super excited about that. Super excited about that. If this is your first time here, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for, for trying checking out K2, making this a place that you want to, to check out. Um, if you have any questions, if there's anything that comes up that you have questions about or you, you need some prayer, anything at all, um, feel free to come ask me um, or any of those guys in the back that are part of our connections team. Um, just feel free to talk to them um, and they can direct you in the places um, that you need to, to go to get your, the answers that you need. So we're in the middle of our series called The Opposite Way. The Opposite Way. This is, we're looking at this passage of scripture that they, we call the Sermon on the Mount, Right? It's this passage in Matthew um, that we find where Jesus is giving this, this nice, long sermon. It's one of the longest sermons that he gives that we have recorded. But in particular, we're looking at the, the section of that, the very first part of that, where we're talking about the Beatitudes. So we're going to start looking at that today. Before we get too far into that, I have a question for you. Have you ever been really, really hungry? I know you're smelling that popcorn, aren't you? You're going, yeah, I'm starting to feel a little hungry. But have you ever been really, really, really hungry? Like famished kind of hungry. Like you just, you you start to get panicky because you don't know where that that next meal is going to come. You just, that that ravenous feeling in your inner stomach. And beyond your stomach, it's like it affects your your mental thoughts. and, And it's just amazing. Have you ever felt that? Now, most of the time, I'd say most of us, don't have to, have to experience that, do we? we? We can go anywhere. We can go down the street. We get a little bit hungry. We'll go stop by a Carl's Jr. and pick up a burger. We'll, we'll go pick up a, a salad over at Cafe Rio. Food is so accessible to us, isn't it? I mean, we can always get food anytime we want. And around the church, it's always that way. It always seems like people are bringing in muffins or bagels or whatever. There's always food around, isn't there? Now, there's not really been but one time in my life where I've really felt really hungry. Really, really hungry, like this one I'm talking about. It was about 12 years ago when my uh, wife was in college. She went on this mission trip to, to Mexico City. Um, and she was out there, been out there for a couple months, and I decided that I wanted to go out and come visit her and, and, and really kind of see what was going on out there in Mexico City, see the people and embrace the culture and, and get out to the, the church where she'd been serving at um, and meet the, the team that she's working with out there. And so I went out there, and uh, we had a great visit, and we're getting to the last day of the visit, and the, we decided that we weren't going to go get some... Um, some gifts, some souvenirs and stuff, you know, um, for, for families and friends back home. And so we go out, we decide we're going to go out to this, um, this market 
this open-air market, you know, you can kind of get the, the idea of this open-air market, uh, street vendors everywhere. Um, there's all kinds of smells. It's, you know, it's, it's great out there. In the morning, it's pretty cool, but, but very quickly, I mean, you know how close Mexico City is to the equator. It starts to get really, really hot. So we're, we're moving pretty quickly, but we've been out there for probably six hours, um, and we, the only thing we've eaten all day is, is breakfast early in the morning. Um, in order to kind of explain this, you have to know that in, in Mexico City, you know, this is a city of 31 or million people. This is like the largest city in the world. Um, and it, for tourists, for a six-foot-four white guy, you kind of stick out among <laughs> all these, these short little Mexican guys, you know, and gals. I mean, they're just not very tall. And to see a, this big white dude strolling around, it, it's, it, you kind of make yourself a target um, uh, for, uh, for a mugging or for any of that kind of stuff because people... People know that, that you most likely you've got money. And so um, you have to be kind of careful while you're out there. So when we went to go get a, all the, pick up these gifts, I put my card in the ATM machine and just pulled out just enough money to, to where we could get the stuff that we needed. And I wanted to do it in a couple different transactions so that, that I had small bills because you never want to carry large bills around there. You want to make sure that you've got just you know, a peso or two at a time kind of thing. Um, so we got small bills and we went around on got all these gifts, and it had been six hours, and we were getting hungry. It was time, you know, really getting time to, to eat, um, and we, but we found one more thing we wanted to get, and so we went back to the ATM because we'd run out of money. We didn't have anything at all. All we had were our subway tickets um, to get back on the, on the metro to go back to, where, um, to the family we were staying with, and uh, I put my card in the ATM, and it says, card declined. Okay. I'm thousands of miles from home. I'm in another country where I don't speak the language. I'm, you know, I'm this six foot four white dude that's, you know, worried about about safety um, in in the city of people that I, I don't know. And now I can't get money out of the ATM. And I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and Amy's hungry and she's thirsty, and we don't have any money, and. It's not like you, I mean, like around here, you could go, oh, can, can you get me a, a glass of water? That'd be so great, you know? But you can't do that in Mexico because why? You don't drink the water. Your Montezuma's revenge, right? It's, it's going to come back and after you and get you. I mean, you don't want to drink the water. So it's not like we could just go ask somebody for some water and, and quench the thirst that we had. Um, but here we are, 30 miles from, our, miles from where we, can, we knew we could get anything to eat, where anybody knew us, and we're hungry, and it's hot, really hot. And you start to feel that desperation in your stomach that something has got to change. Something's got to change quick. And so I just, just right there, just prayed, God, would you please do something? Or I don't have anything, literally. I have nothing can you do something? Can you do something to fix this problem that I have? And so Amy and I walk, or start walking back to the, to the subway um, about a mile, mile and a half away or so. We start walking over there, and the funniest thing happens. This little, little Mexican dude comes out from this, from this restaurant, 
and he, he's so excited to see us, he, he recognizes Amy from one of the, the street presentations they've done of, uh, of the gospel out there um, for, for all the kids. They dressed up as clowns and stuff, and it was always oh, so much fun, but he recognized her somehow, and he said, oh, come on in here, come on in here. Uh, uh, let me give you a churro and, and some, some hot chocolate or something to drink. And we're, we, we kind of go with him. We say, but wait a second, we don't have any money. We don't have any way to pay you. And he goes, oh, no problemo. <laughs> just, just as kind as you can be, just to give us this stuff, this provision for what we needed at just the right time. Now, there's not been very many times in my life that I've been that hungry for food. There's been plenty of times, though, that I've had a hunger, a desire for things to be made right. There's been, uh, there's been times in my life where I really want to see something right happen in the world. I mean, we, we look in the world and we see, uh, look at the news. The world's falling apart. I mean, every night there's something else that's going on in this world, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, it feels like. They say that one out of five people live on less than a dollar a day, which means that most people, or a fifth of the population goes hungry every night. The world's population, a fifth of them go hungry every night. That's insane. Uh, for most places in the world, there is no such thing as health care. I know we, we've got this whole debate in, about health care, but the, most places don't even have health care. If they have a doctor, they're lucky. But most places don't have anything. And so there are millions of children that die every year from preventable illnesses, things like diarrhea. I mean, diarrhea, really. How many times have you heard of somebody dying of diarrhea? That's insane. That is messed up. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And when I hear things like that, I, I hear it and I say, I want to see those things made right. Am I alone in that? I mean, do you guys look at that and do you, say, do you see something that needs to be fixed? What are the things that you see that you, need to, you say you think that need to be fixed? Just shout it out. What are the things that are really messed up in this world? Orphans. Orphans. Absolutely. What else? Sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. What else? Homelessness. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Even right here in Utah. I mean, the homelessness is, is ridiculous. Child abuse. Child abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, I knew I wouldn't be alone in, in, wanting, in seeing the, how things are messed up. And I bet you I'm not alone either in wanting to see them, those wrong things righted, to see those things fixed and changed for the better. Right? Right. So there's things in the world that we see that, that need to be changed. And if we're honest with ourselves... If we look at our own lives, we can look at our lives and we can say, man, my life is messed up. My life is jacked up because of what I've done. I have so messed up in my life that I have jacked up my life and there is nothing that I want more than to set my life right. I just want to set my life right. You see, we all struggle with sin, don't we? All of us struggle with sin. For some of us, it's pride. We, we tend to set ourselves up above other people. 
You know, that we, if there's a, an, a first place in line and a second place, we, we go for that first place. We try to put ourselves before others. And that's the, the sin that, that entangles us. For some of us, it's, it's sex and lust. Guys, I mean, we all know it. It's, it's a burden. And we, we feel it sometimes creeping into our lives. And we know it's wrong, don't we? And it burns deep in us, and, and there's something that says, this is not right, and I want to be healed. I want to be made clean of this, right? We've got there other sins like gossip and, and uh, greed, things like anger that's just so completely out of control. We all have those sins, don't we? We all have those things that we know aren't right in our life, and yet we know they need to be made right. The good news is, the good news is that God sees that. God knows the, the, the sin that we live in. And he knows even, even deeper, he knows that at the core of who we are, we want to see things made right. See, we're not the only ones to have struggled with this. Uh, people throughout all time have struggled with this desire to see things right. And so if we take a look at the Bible, we see that God has already addressed this issue. God knows all about it, and he has something to say about this right here. So if you have your Bibles, pull them out and uh, turn your Bibles to, to Matthew chapter 5. And we're looking at verse 6. I know nobody's opening Bibles anymore. They're all looking at their phones, right? That's what I do. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verse 6. And it's going to be on the screen here as well. So, now remember, this is, like in some places in the scripture, you've got uh, Paul or one of the apostles talking. But right here, these letters actually should be read because this is actually Jesus talking. Jesus is saying, the, saying this, this verse right here. And he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a quick explanation for this, this verse, and you can look at it and say, well, Mike, this is a really simple verse. How in, uh, I, I kind of look at it and I go, oh, that, just, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, people are blessed if they, they're hungry and thirst for righteousness. But I have to tell you, this, this verse is so much more deep. This verse is so much more meaningful than just what an, a, a cursory glance can give you. I mean, in, until you start, we start to look deeper into this scripture, I mean, there's just some hidden gems in here that you, you need to know. And in order to understand what, uh, what Jesus is really trying to say here, we have to start to look, and we have to go back and look at the context of this thing. If, first rule of Bible study is always take a look at what's going on in the passage before it, right? So let's take a look at what Jesus is, is doing here. First, who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? He's talking about... Blessed are those who, this is who he's talking about, those who thirst for hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? Those are who, the people who he's talking about. Now, even deeper than that, who is he talking to? Now, it doesn't say that there directly, does it? But if we go back in our, in our Bibles, we turn back even a page, go back to look at, ch at chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So do you see, start to see the picture of who he's talking to? The people he's talking to are these people who are coming from all over Syria. They're the people who are suffering severe pains. They're the people who are, are demon-possessed, that are having seizures and are, that are paralyzed. These are people that in this society that, that Jesus is in, that Jesus is saying, these people, uh, these are the, like the, the low of the low. These are like, the, and I don't, not necessarily the lowest, but just really low class in society because the way they looked at thing, people was that if you had something wrong with you, if you were paralyzed, there was some reason that God was cursing you. God didn't have his favor on you, and so you were looked down upon. So most likely, if you were paralyzed, if you were, had a, a, a bad illness, or you were in so much pain, or you were having seizures, that people would look down on you. Most likely, you were poor, and if you were poor in these days, most likely you, likely you were very hungry as well. So the people Jesus is talking to, he comes out to this, he's preaching this Sermon on the Mount, he's on top of this mountain, and the people that he sees out here before him are these people who are poor and hungry and desperate and so in need. And some of the people that are sitting out here, he's already even healed. And they're just sitting here listening and receiving his teaching. And some of them, they're just waiting to be healed start to get a picture for who these people are, it makes a big difference. It makes a difference who these people are. These people have a hunger, a deep, deep hunger, a deep desire to see things different. So we see that he's talking about those, if we go back to uh, Matthew uh, 5, 6 here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's taking, there is a group of people here that I'm talking to who are desiring righteousness. So you kind of see when somebody hungers for something, right? If you hunger for something, if I'm hungry for a hamburger, I'm good. If I eat the hamburger, I'm good, right? So if if I have already had a hamburger, do I still hunger for a hamburger? Most likely not. Most likely if I've had five guys hamburger, I'm pretty good for the day. I'm done. You know, that's all I needed. You know, so I no longer have that hunger for something. You only hunger and thirst for something that you don't have, right? You only hunger and thirst for something you don't have. So what is it that these people don't have? They don't have righteousness, right? They're they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, So it's important for us to understand what is this righteousness that, that Jesus is talking about here. Because in church terms, in, in so many areas of church, we kind of just associate righteousness with holiness, right? We associate righteousness with purity, right? But what Jesus is talking about here is a little bit different, and it's, more, it's important that we be more precise as to what Jesus is actually talking about. So righteousness is the equivalence of rightness. It's seeking after things that are right. It's a, it's a desire to see God's standards established 
in every area of life. It's a desire to see God's standards established and obeyed in every area of life. The people who are in, the, in this passage, talking about it in this passage, these are people who burn with desire to see God's standards established in every area of life. These are people who have been, uh, who are sick, who are paralyzed, they have had great injustices done to them. They're hurting. And now they're, they're looking towards righteousness. They're looking and they're hungering and thirsting for something that's greater. They're saying, this isn't right in the world. It's not right that this, this I have an, an evil landlord. It's not right that I've had to suffer these injustices. It's not right that I'm, I go hungry every day. It's not right. And they actually turn around and look at it in their own lives. And they say, it's not right, this sin that I have in my life. I struggle with this sin over and over and over. And he says, I don't want it this way. I just don't want it this way. I want it to be made right. I want to be clean. I want to be cleansed from my sin. I want to be forgiven. So let's listen to what Jesus does. We're going to take a look real quick at, at Luke chapter 5. And inside there, there's a parable um, that, or a, a situation that happens to, in Jesus' ministry where there's these guys. They have this friend who's paralyzed, right? And he's, they, they hear that Jesus is in town and he's, He's healing people, and they think, well, Jesus can do something for our friend, so let's do something about it. And so they put him on this mat, and they pick him up and take him over to this house where Jesus is teaching. And they, when he, they get to the house, the house is surrounded with people. It's standing room only. There's, Jesus is inside teaching, and they just can't even get in. But they are so desperate. They're so desperate to, to get in there and see this, their friend healed that they decided what we're going to do is we're just going to clear a place up on the roof. We're going to move the roofing material out of the way, and we're actually just going to physically drop him down through the roof. Okay, this is kind of ridiculous. Dropping him through to the, the roof to where Jesus can see him, and he'll do something for him. And look, listen to what Jesus says right there. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. The first thing that Jesus does, as soon as he sees this guy, is he, he, knows, he knows exactly what's wrong with this guy. He knows that he's paralyzed, but that's not the first thing he does, does he? The first thing he heals is his heart. The first thing he heals, he does, is he says, you are forgiven. I know that you suffer, that, that you hurt on the inside, that your sin bothers you, and that you want to be made clean. So I forgive you. And in that, he heals this man. And then second, he goes on to say, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He heals his heart first because Jesus knows what really hurts and what he really needs. And then he heals his physical body. You see, God knows what, what's the sin that goes on in our life. It's God, it's not, God's not oblivious to, to what's going on. He knows the sin in our life, and he knows that we want to be made right, that there's this internal desire, this just building desire to actually have things made right in our hearts. It's why we do a lot of things we do. You know, it's that desire to see things made right, that's a right desire, 
That's, that's a normal desire for us to have, and it's a right desire to, for us to have. It's the, the correct way that we should be responding to our sin. You know, and like I say, we're not the only ones to have experienced this. Uh, King David in, in the Psalms, you know, he's the author of the, the Psalms that we read. He was notorious for, for talking to God about just exactly how he was feeling. And, and in Psalm 51, we see him talk about how he's feeling with, with God and how he wants to be cleansed from his sin. Just listen to him here. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Do you hear that in his, in his voice? He knows the sin that he has. He knows how terrible it is. And he knows that he is powerless to do anything about it. And so he cries out to God, God, won't you make this right? And isn't that what we all want? To be made right. Yet we know we're powerless to do that in and of ourselves, right? But yet, yet Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed. You are blessed, you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That doesn't make sense, does it? Why? Uh, so I've got, I, I've got the sin in my life, and I recognize my sin. Why am I blessed? Because I recognize my sin. Does that make any sense at all? I think it, what would help us is to better have a better understanding of what Jesus is saying when he means blessed. What Jesus is saying with the word blessed, in the Greek, the word is makarios, and it means per- pertaining to being happy. It's the implication of, there's an implication there of enjoying favorable circumstances. And so when he says blessed, it's beyond just a a normal blessing. What he's saying here is you're in a favorable circumstance. He's saying, I have put my divine favor on you. So when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's not saying those people are blessed for hungering and thirsting for righteousness. These people are blessed because of who I am. Because I am putting my favor on you. I'm putting my, my favor, my righteousness, my blessing on you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now this is a pretty... Um, amazing concept because the, the people that he was talking to, think about it, they're, they're considered the low people in society. And he's saying they're the people who people were looked down upon and they said, God doesn't favor these people. And when Jesus turns around and says, no, this is the opposite way. My kingdom, my reign, my rule is different than what you expect. In fact, I bless the people who are hurting I bless the people um, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You see, this is what Jesus did throughout his entire ministry. 
He took those, the, the misfits, the outcasts, the, the desperate, the poor, the people who were sat upon, the people who were spat upon, the people who were ratted on, and he blessed them. He said, people, you people are not what other people say you are. You're not the lowly of the low. You have my divine favor. And that changes the whole picture, doesn't it? That changes the whole picture. If we look back at, the, at our verse, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, it's in his kingdom, it's in his righteousness that they will be filled, for they will be filled. In order for us to continue really understanding and diving deep into this passage, we have to understand, we understand what it means to be blessed. It's that divine favor, right? We understand what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's that internal desire, that, that craving um, to have things made right. When we see the sin in our life, to have that made right. And now he says, for they will be filled. And the, the, the Greek word here for filled is the, comes from the root word, that's for tazo, um, which better translated means satisfied. Blessed are you who hunger, for I will satisfy you. You see, Jesus can take this yearning, this great, intense, deep desire in our lives for righteousness, to, to see our lives set, set right, to see our lives made clean. And he can make it right. He can make it right. Jesus can, can transform the past. He can transform those horrible experiences that we've had in our life. And he can actually change our hearts. And he can satisfy our soul in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. He restores our soul, and he lifts, he fills us up. He satisfies our hearts with the goodness of rightness. Think about this. Right here in the Beatitudes, before we get any further into Jesus' ministry, just at the very beginning of this, Jesus says, Blessed are you who hunger and thirst. You have my divine favor, you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Despite your sin... You have my favor because I am going to fill you. What that is, uh, for me, that's huge. This is, this is like the most important thing that we do here in, in understanding this because this is so important. This right here is Jesus saying, grace, forgiveness, freedom. This is all yours. This is all yours. In your very heart, this is what I came to establish. This is my kingdom in your life. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to make you free. I am going to set you free. I am going to bless you beyond your understanding. I am going to fill you on all those places where you've been hurt so very deeply, down to the core of your being. You have been hurt so deeply, and I have the power. I have the ability, and I am going to fill you in ways that you can't even understanding. Now that's good news. Amen? Amen? That's good news. That's forgiveness. That's freedom. 
That's the opposite way. That's God's way. So the question is, what does this mean for your life? Well, what do you do with this? Well, I can tell you, I know just as many people as we have in the room here, there's somebody in here uh, this morning that you've just lost hope. You've come in here as a last resort, and you're wondering, is there still hope for you? And I can tell you with a resounding yes that there is hope for your life. Jesus has come and said, Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you who, who have filled your sin and know your sin so deeply because I can look, I can, I see past that and I can do something about that. So yes, you have hope and a future. For some of us in here who are Christians already, what this should arouse in us is a, a spirit of rejoicing We should want to rejoice because we hear, yet again, Jesus doesn't count our sin against us. He he says we're blessed despite who we are, despite this sin that's in our life, and he he doesn't count against us, and he blesses us in despite of it. So we should rejoice in it. And and beyond that, it means that we should... uh, receive the, the satis- when we receive this satisf- satisfaction, when we receive that filling that God brings, that we should share that blessing with others. We shouldn't keep that to ourselves, should we? We should share it with others. Think about what the disciples did in, in, in Acts. They, they saw that there was some, some widows that, who weren't getting their adequate fair share of food. And so what they did is they saw the wrong in the world and they went right to the need and they fixed it. They made, the, made it right. So those widows who weren't getting the distribution of food they needed, they got what they needed. And that's what, that's what we're all about here at K2. We say here at K2 that we're focused on Jesus. We're tight with each other. And we're out there in this world. And that third piece is so very critical to, to who we are and what we believe. Because it's in that piece where we get to actually go into the world and we, we see these injustices, we see these things that are wrong in this world, and we actually do something about them. That's why we do things like Kids Against Hunger. That's why we, we pack thousands and thousands of meals and we ship them off to, to other countries where the kids there just don't have anything to eat. The one meal they receive with this food may be the only meal they eat the entire day. That's why we do things like going, we go to a mission trip on, to Honduras. We, we go down to Honduras to, to help establish a church there, to help enhance the community there. Um, so for the first time, they can really hear about the love that Jesus has for them and set things right. Ben can come up now. I forgot to tell them a minute ago. That's why we do things like Pioneer Park. That's why we go out every month and we go to Pioneer Park and we feed the homeless. Because we want to set things right in this world. We want to show them the love that Jesus has given us. Now, there's, those are two categories of people who, who we're talking, I'm talking to you right now. But there's also something else. There's another person in this room, I just know it, that you've been a Christian for a while. 
and you're, you're saying, Mike, I know that Jesus should be my satisfaction. I know that. I've heard that a million times. But Mike, I'm just not feeling it right now. I just don't feel that satisfaction like I once did. I don't know why. Is there something wrong with me? And I have to tell you, that's normal. There are times in our lives where we will, we will really feel, feel uh, God's a spirit on us. We'll really feel God's satisfaction. But if we get, look, think back to this verse, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. What we don't catch in that, in that last little piece of that is that that particular verb for being filled, for being satisfied, isn't just in reference to we'll be satisfied now that he's here but it's an ongoing satisfaction. And actually, it's a satisfaction that won't be complete until we get to heaven. It's totally normal to, experience, to, to feel this, this desire for satisfaction, but not quite be there yet. And yet know and have hope because we know that when we get to heaven, that's when this satisfaction is totally made complete and that's good news that's good news let's pray heavenly father lord i just thank you so much for this this message you want to speak right to our hearts lord we confess that that we we have sin in our lives that that bothers us We know it's not right, and it is so good to hear what you have for us. That despite all the the junk in our lives, Lord, that you speak right through that, and you speak right into our hearts and say, you, my child, have value because I put that value on you. I have blessed you. And so, Lord, we receive that blessing. We receive that, that what you want to speak to us. And Lord, we ask for your, your satisfaction in new and in deep ways. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.